This weekend, Israel was attacked by the terrorist group Hamas. We certainly should be praying and seeking God because the Bible said, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and they shall prosper who love thee. But we can also put our trust in the prophetic word of God, promises that are thousands of years old, that God will prevail in the behalf of his people. Find out more on this episode of Revealing the True Light. There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. I know many of us are grieving over the horrendous things that have happened in Israel just over this past weekend. And I've been praying, and I'm sure many of you have, that God will intervene supernaturally. And I believe we have a basis for believing that and expecting that. I do think it's an ironic thing that Israel was attacked during Simchat Torah, or the final weekend of the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. Simchat Torah is the eighth day of that final fall feast that uh, means the rejoicing or the joy of the law. And usually, there's great celebration in Israel. And I believe possibly Hamas thought that would be a time when Israelis were less uh, attentive to some type of maneuvering on their borders and would be more vulnerable. But I think it made heaven more attentive to Israel because, well, let me tell you about the first time I experienced Simchat Torah. Elizabeth and I had gone to Israel and God had directed me there. I was on my way to Russia right after the the Iron Curtain fell. And at the last minute, God told me not to go and preach in Moscow, which was really burning in my heart. And he said to go to Israel instead for the Feast of Tabernacles, which I thought was quite strange. And when I got there, there was some amazing things that happened. And I'm going to share a few of them with you right now that I believe are important. But one thing uh, that took place was toward the end of our trip, we were up on the Citadel of David, and that's a castle-like structure on the edge of Jerusalem. And we were up on the third story of uh, uh, one of the turrets uh, where they would defend the castle way up high. And, uh, and of course, there were slots in it where archers could lean over and shoot their arrows when the castle-type structure was attacked, an ancient building, of course. Uh, but all of a sudden, we heard this rioting, it seemed like, in the street. And there was a lot of tension back then also, so I thought maybe there was some conflict between Arabs and Jews. 
and I leaned over through one of the slots, and much to my surprise, I saw about 300 Jewish men that were in, well, it was like a procession, but it wasn't an orderly procession. They were all crowded around the Torah. And quite often in Simcha Torah, they're dancing with the Torah down near the Western Wall for hours and hours and hours to show their deep and passionate love for the Word of God. Now, things like that gain heaven's attention, I guarantee you. Even when they are not fully comprehending the stage of the new covenant that God is moving in. But anyway, um, uh, I was amazed as I watched them, they would be slowly proceeding down the road, headed toward the Western Wall, which is a reminder of the glory days of the past when Solomon's temple stood and when the glory of God visited the temple. And it's, a, a, it's kind of a prayer, a passionate prayer that God would restore them to that day. And then all of a sudden, with no warning, they would explode into shouting and dancing and twirling and leaping and jumping, and and they would uh, grab the Torah and dance with it, and it was just a marvelous, wonderful thing to see. But uh, it impressed me that they could have that much joy over the portion of the Word that was primarily commandments, 613 commandments that showed us how far uh, we have fallen as the human race from the perfect will of God and how much we have to strive toward righteousness through obedience to those commandments. But there was no promise of internal transformation under the old covenant as there is in the new. We can be born again. The Spirit of God comes into us. God empowers us from within to live up to his commandments. So it's completely different. And if they could have that kind of joy over the portion of the word that showed the high bar of righteousness that's almost impossible for humans to attain to within their own willpower and strength, and they were on their way to the Western Wall, which is a reminder of glory lost, I thought if they can have that much joy and ecstasy in the in their praise toward God, then how much more should we be praising and worshiping God uh, with intensity, we who have participated in the new covenant? But when we were in Israel that first time also, Elizabeth and I stood on a battlefield where 27 Israeli tanks withstood over 500 Arab tanks and won. That's impossible. You can't face odds like that and come out the winner unless there's divine intervention taking place. And that's exactly what happened. It was miraculous, and it was definitely God that, that moved for them that day. See, I think it's a significant thing that the word Israel contains a word that means God. It's the only nation in the world with God in its name. El is Hebrew for God, and Israel, some say, means prince of God, from the Hebrew word sar, which means prince, and el, which means God. Israel means prince of God or one who rules with God. So the very 
name of that nation is a declaration prophetically. Every time a newscaster even mentions the name Israel, whether it's a negative report slanted toward those that have a false narrative concerning Israel or a positive report, still they are reaffirming over and over that there's a connection covenantally with that nation, so much so that God is in the name that is applied to that nation. Certainly, there's, there's, there's impact supernaturally in the spiritual realm as a result of that. And much more could be said. What about May 14th, 1948, when Israel hoisted the Star of David flag and announced to the world community that they were now a recognized nation? Immediately, they were attacked by five Arab nations, Egypt, Iraq, Jordan, Lebanon, and Syria, all attacked Israel in its infancy, fresh out of the womb of being scattered into all the world, and they've come back to the land of Israel, and now they're under attack. And the sum total of the populations of those five attacking nations was about 100 million people plus. And in Israel, there were only about 800,000 Jews. You weigh out the odds. There's no way 800,000 Jews could combat successfully a sum total as large as all of those nations. And they had the weaponry. Those nations had the guns and the tanks and the planes and the ships and the weapons of war and the trained armies. And Israel was a ragtag bunch of people who weren't really trained for warfare. And it was it was uh, prohibited for them to have military weapons. Uh, it, it was contraband. They weren't allowed to bring it into Israel. So they were definitely in a vulnerable position. And yet God moved in a supernatural and powerful way, and they emerged the winner. Why? Because Israel is a part of last day prophecies, and no one can get away from that. They're going to survive this attack just like they've survived every other war since May 14, 1948, because they have to be present on the day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. That nation has to be existent when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, because there are prophecies that deal with that. And I'll mention a couple of those prophecies. For instance, Zechariah chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, it talks about not this particular attack, but in the end of all things, God said, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, and all that burden themselves with it shall be cut to pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Now, this is just Hamas, a terrorist group. And yet God said one day, all the people of the earth will be gathered together against it. Most likely a UN army comprised of uh, soldiers from many different nations trying to impose their demands on Israel. Then in Zechariah 12, 8, God said, In that day the Lord shall defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. 
Does that mean that everything Israel has done since it became a nation again has been right? No, there have been plenty of things that have happened in the government, in the leadership, in the decisions that have been made, um, in their relationship with other nations. And I won't even go into it, but sure, there's been mistakes and wrong decisions and things God wouldn't be pleased with. But as a whole, God has a purpose and a plan for natural Israel. Am I uh, someone who believes in replacement theology? Absolutely not, because I do not believe the church has replaced Israel. I believe God has a purpose and a plan for natural Israel. And I also believe that as many Jews come into an understanding of the Messiahship of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua, and as the uh, awakening that's taking place worldwide brings Gentiles into the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, out of that is going to be formed one new man. And uh, that's spoken of in the prophecies of Paul. He talked about it in the uh, letter to the Ephesians. He said, concerning Jesus, he is our peace, who has made both one, talking about Jews and Gentiles, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man, from the two. In other words, he's going to bring Gentiles and Jews into the revelation of Yeshua as the Messiah and fusing them together into one new man. That's God's plan. In fact, that's something God spoke to me the first time we went to Israel. I asked Elizabeth to go with the tour group and I wanted to stay back in the hotel room and pray all day to find out why God had sent us there. And while I was in prayer for a couple of hours, God said, go to the last verses of Malachi. And I knew he was about to show me what he's doing in the world concerning Israel. And that's Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, where the prophet, the last prophet in the Old Testament, the last verses of the Old Testament say this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a singular day that will climax with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And I said, Lord, what are you speaking to me? Because I never really focused on those two verses. And I'd loosely interpreted it to mean that our hearts in the last days would be turned back to the fathers of Christianity, Peter, James, and John, and there would be a restoration of new covenant, uh, uh, of the, the, the power of what happened in the launch of the church in the new covenant age. But God spoke to my heart and said, no, it goes further back than that. That one of the main works he's going to accomplish in these last days is to turn the hearts of the fathers, the Israelites, the Israelite people, to the children, the offspring of Israel, Christians, 
Christian believers out of the Gentile world. The Jews call us Netsri, which means a shoot from the root of the olive tree. He's going to turn the heart of the fathers to the children because many by the thousands are recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. Simultaneously, he's turning the heart of the children, the offspring of Judaism, in this one new man, He's turning our hearts back to the fathers because there's a huge move among the born-again, spirit-filled believers worldwide of a recognition of our Abrahamic roots and our affinity with Israel. And, uh, of course, many are recognizing the importance of the feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles as part of the foundation of what God has done in the new covenant. So he's bringing together a people out of Judaism, accepting the Messiah Jesus, out of the Gentile world, accepting the Messiah Jesus to make one new man. So this battle with Hamas is destined to be a crushing failure to them because God has got to keep Israel intact so that these prophecies and others will come to pass. And I just guarantee you that's the way it's going to work. Let me give you one last prophecy. And this, again, is from Zechariah 12. God said, In that day the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He that is feeble among them in that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God. Think of that. He that is feeble among them shall be as David. And David went out against Goliath successfully. And then verse 10, this is so powerful. He said, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and they shall look on me, God said. They shall look on me whom they pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. So right at the culmination, right at the climax of all nations coming together against Jerusalem to battle, the coming of the Lord will take place. The heavens will rend. Jesus will descend. A wave of grace will go over Israel. And millions of them that have not as of yet recognized him will do so. So, This attack on Israel will be foiled and thwarted and brought low because Israel has a destiny. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.